Hi, and welcome to Get Known Podcast. I'm Steve Lee. Welcome to Get Known's third season. In this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Yari Tanner from the Associated Press. For those of you who are new to Get Known, we interview journalists about their work and what they cover so that companies know better how to engage with press and get their company covered in the media. Our big goal is to make sure that companies out there who are reaching out to the press build the right relationships, pitch the right ideas, and understand better what wastes journalists' time and what wastes their time. Yari Tanner has over 20 years' experience in the real-time news industry. He originally started in finance reporting, and before joining AP, he worked for Reuters, Bloomberg, and Dow Jones. He currently is a part of the Associated Press team that covers seven countries in the Nordic and Baltic regions and spends most of his time in Finland and Estonia. I was super interested to hear the story of the AP and its unique structure that drives its pure journalism content. Yari tells about some of his favorite stories that he has covered over the years and about the way the AP does its very specific type of news reporting. This is super important to understand if you have an idea of a story for the AP. Throughout the interview, he gives some great advice about engaging with journalists and pitching stories. Unfortunately, we had issues with Yari's audio, so sorry about that in advance, but I guarantee it's worth muscling through the background noise to hear this inside view on one of the world's most respected journalistic institutions and the hard work that it takes to get these stories out as a reporter for the AP. I learned a lot. I hope you do too. It is actually a non-profit organization. And it's, as far as I understand, it's the second oldest news agency in the world, set up in 1846. Only the French national news agency, AFP, Charles France Press, is, is, is older. Even Reuters was set up uh, some years later. So, um, and essentially, AP is, is a, uh, I would say, it's a cooperative. It's its own by the U.S. newspapers, radio stations, and broadcasters. And this makes it a very unique organization. And it's also, also it's, it's a purely a journalistic organization, rather than Reuters and Bloomberg, which for which actually, honestly, the news is only one minor component. Their main business is to sell this financial data and software. But for AP, it's purely journalism. AP consists of various wires. We call it different wires. We have uh, wires of subcategories. You run everything from all possible things, from politics to business to, to, to odd stories, to entertainment, to sports. And sports is very important. And we operate globally and, and uh, based on the amount, how many people see our news every day, uh, AP is usually counting as the largest news agency in the world. So I believe it was like more than 1 billion, 1 billion people every day see our news. And we're based in New York. You know, I've always looked at the AP as being the place that you could really trust because it is 
seeming to be very pure news. Like what kind of stories are you interested in? Which are the ones that you have to cover and which are the ones that are like you really have personal interest in as a journalist? How it works for us, uh, I told you that we're covering this whole Nordic Nordic Baltic region. Um, We consider this as one like entity which means that we cover stories from seven different countries. And we make no difference. I mean, all our reporters in this Nordic Scandic team, we, 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 um, we, manage, we can manage these cultures and these languages. So we cover whatever kind of stories in this, mostly lots of political stuff. This year, of course, all the COVID-19 stories. So these are that we have certain uh, required stories, but the ones I'm inter- interested in, and which is actually one of my beats, is, is, is especially because I'm based in Finland and Estonia. So, technology is certainly one of the things, startup companies, and everything related to that. So, Finland and Estonia are very good in this, and also obviously Sweden too. And also, the other thing, uh, I'm very, uh, I always like to write stories, and I'm very keen on, on security policy storage. This is particularly because of the Baltic states, and because these countries are small NATO members, and, and, and again, it's the same for Finland, you know, but uh, Finland is not a member of NATO, but, but the relationship, both with the Finnish relationship and, and the Baltic ties to, to Russia are always interesting. Let's say that you had to pitch something to an editor. Can you tell us a little bit, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what it takes for you to pitch to your editors? Because I'm assuming that you guys have a super high standard for what is interesting. Uh, absolutely. AP has these three main components or units within in the company. So which operate both independently and also together, and very much together. So it means that, that we have text, print, what we call print stories, and then we have photographs, and then we have video and television news. And these are the three components. And every story, if I pitch a story, so nowadays it's almost impossible to have a story without visuals, without... Uh, at the very minimum, you have to have photograph, photos, pictures, and then you have, uh, very ideally, we want to have videos. It's, it's simple because, like you know, Stephen, you know how the world has changed, and people love these videos. Our, cli- our clients want them. And this has actually been one of the biggest, biggest changes during my career, you know, in, in over, over 16 years with, with the AP, so it has changed completely. And... And again, obviously, the social media then. So when, I, when I, you ask him about the pitching, so when I pitch uh, to my editors, it really has to have at least two of these three components I mentioned. So it's almost impossible to have just a pure text story nowadays. You have to have photos, either our own photos or then, like in a small country like Finland, we photo partner, a local photo agency. So you have to come to the table with images and video and an interesting story in order for you to convince your editors that something's good. 
Indeed, absolutely. We start, of course, with the idea, but I have to have at least an idea how we're going to get the pictures, because that is going to be the set, uh, probably the first question, that how, how do we visualize this story? And, of course, we know that some of the stories are pretty, it's pretty hard to, I mean, how do you visualize a technology story? It's quite complicated. It takes time, unfortunately. And you might even get a little bit frustrated because it takes time. Are most of the stories that you're writing, are they more in-depth kinds of stories at this point? Um, like on your on your side, are you working on mostly things that are leads that you research and, and put together and and they in that sort of way? Let's say like roughly half of these stories I find are these kind of a I wouldn't like to call it a routine, sounds bad, but you know, let's, we call them spot news, the daily spot news. So we cover what is happening today, starting like today, or whatever there is. They can be small, they usually are quite small, but if the story turns out during the day to be a big one, then we, we make it a full-fledged kind of a, let's say spot feature, we, we use the term spot feature. But then on this side, on the side, of course, I'm working on ideas and stories that, that which like they are more like feature stories, and and in, in, there used to be years and years ago there used to be a time when we find long feature stories like eight hundred to nine hundred, uh, even over one thousand words. But unfortunately, those times are gone. It's it's simply because the news cycle is such. That our clients want these very compact, brief stories. So even the features are nowadays usually for us it's six, seven hundred words. That's what our clients want. So these newspapers, news agencies, and so on. Can you tell me a technology or business story that you're particularly proud of that you pitched to editors that 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 came out that that we might have heard or or um, or, or just that you have liked um, or was super interesting for you? This is not on technology and this is not on politics or anything like that. Because I, I first have to explain that when we do this job, I mean, most of the stories we do, quite often, we, we, um, we deal with the, what would you say, the, the dark side of human human nature, which means that uh, the stories we cover are pretty often, they are pretty grim, you know. We have a lot of accidents, shootings, uh, people getting killed, uh, ships sinking, this kind of things. When I look back, you know, through all those years I covered, so they, they, there are lots of these trials like this. So um, when, like three years ago, 2017, I had a, we, we had this, yeah, and to do something completely different, which was really refreshing. And this is a story I really liked, and, and I'm going to explain to you why. And this story dealt with, with uh, extremely weird uh, or, or strange, kind of interesting subculture among the Finnish teenage girls. And it's about this phenomenon called hobby horse. <laughs> I, I do. I know exactly. I, mean, I totally have. I totally have. <laughs> I want to tell you why I picked this story because 
it was really strange. It was from the, both from the reporters' point of view and from from the organization's point of view. We got a great, great story. We prepared this very long. I was doing research on this, like uh, early 2017, a lot of it, and 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 uh, we we found out they, that these girls are doing this completely, have organized completely on their own. This this thing which has become a really great hobby in the Nordic countries, especially in Finland and also in Norway and Sweden. And um, and we went to the national competition of this uh, of this uh, hobby horsing company. In, in in outskirts of Helsinki, and I had arranged that, and, and there's a lot of uh, they didn't first want to let us in, uh, the organizers who are these teenage girls, and finally we got in, and we were the only international media there, and we got a great great excellent story. We put the story brought together these three elements I mentioned you so. I was really uh, happy in many ways of the the level of the, the journalism of the story I did. And, and we got excellent photos from our Texas photo partner. And then we got a great, great video from our own video, video folks. So uh, it was an excellent story. It got an excellent play all around the world. It, it, it was huge. Also, we were the first ones to do this. And the second thing was that this was something so completely different I do every day that from the reporter's point of view, I, I simply loved it. Um, and, and actually, after this 2017, it, it also the companies understood the value of it. And they started to industrially manufacture this. You know, I'm sure you've seen this, these policies. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is... This is this has become a business, but I, I was I was just so impressed in 2017 about this. These young girls who had they, they are self-made these these sticky horses head on a stick and, and, and everything they had organized themselves. So there was completely lack of this planned industrialized business, you know. That was the thing. So is it, it, was it like the humanity, so it's the difference, but it was also a lot about the humanity of, of the story that, that here was something that, that was, was such a, such a slice of life that nobody really knows about. And I guess there must be a draw to that kind of idea. Exactly, exactly. And one of the key things I think is also that this, for a change, was very upbeat, positive news. Lots of coverage. It was all over the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post did their own stories later, and, and then we had this in the major European media outlets, German, French, and UK media also, uh, obviously. You know, we often tell the companies that we work with that that it's really about like the audience and what the audience wants to hear. And that the journalist has this understanding of what what audiences want to hear. That's that's why the pitching that people do towards towards a journalist, I think, needs to be something that 
that helps understand what they need to do to reach their own audience. And sometimes companies maybe don't understand that. Do you, do you agree with that? I would, I would completely agree. Um, and, and for us, the internal pitching process is, like I said, it can be sometimes pretty lengthy. We, get, we have to get permissions. And also this is sometimes creates some frustrations. But, but usually at the end of the day, it works fine. But the pitch to, to, to be successful, it really has to have these, these elements. And, and, and again, I can't stress enough how important these, these video elements and this um, component has become over the years. And not only, I mean, just obviously because of social media and, and because people post these, these small videos and stuff. And then they keep asking us, why don't we have these? So, right. I think that people really need to understand that it sort of makes you think outside the box when you ask yourself, what is the video element of this or what is the image of this? You know, especially when someone's talking about some sort of tech thing or something like that. What is that image? It's a uh, it's always a really inch that that really puts a twist on what's there. On technology, um, we covered various aspects of technology, in, in especially in Estonia. And one of the first things and very interesting things was this, um, uh, that Estonia was actually one of the very first countries to to have this uh, concentrated cyber attack on its territory, in the, and this was back in 2007. And this was uh, preceded by, by large-scale riots in the country and involving Russia and so on. So it was a very complex picture, very interesting to report this. And also NATO uh, has this cyber defense center based in, in, in Tallinn. So um, yes, they do. They say sort of a center of excellence is, is, is the official label here, um, which means that uh, they run lots of these cyber defense drills and exercises. But again, like I said, this is very tricky and challenging. Uh, how do you visualize this, this kind of thing? And just to show pictures of computers is certainly not enough. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you another question, sort of turning a little bit. Have you ever had people or companies come and pitch to you ideas? And, and if so, how does that work in, in, your, in your situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just to mention that we get, personal, I get dozens and dozens of, of uh, even perhaps hundreds of these, these contact mails and um, and yeah, it's it's uh, and it's sometimes it's a problematic area because uh, we we like to deal with you know we're also in touch with the PR companies and so on and and usually uh, uh, let's put it this way that the relationship with us we, we do the journalism we are we are not advertising anyone we we, we do simple pure journalism and, and with the negative aspects in it. Lots of it. So we, we are not there out there to, to promote anyone. 
But the, what I've noticed is this relationship with PR firms who are pitching stories works best if they just keep it, keep the pitch. They personalize it to me, and then they keep it into the basic facts. And also, they would try to give idea what is unique about it, and they wouldn't be and they wouldn't be so hooked on Finland only. You have to look at the global perspective, and and it doesn't have to deal with Finland or anything, but it just has to be it has to have some kind of a unique angle into it. Um, one example we did this fall. You maybe heard of the story that the Helsinki airport uh, has now these dogs sniffing COVID-19. We did a story, as did our competitors, I believe. All, all major news uh, outlets did it. But, uh, it was a great story. And I was, uh, I was there at the airport when they presented this. And it was a really good thing. They didn't pitch it as such. It could have been done better, but uh, I, I still believe it was it was nicely done. And, and what what caught your eye about it? What what made it interesting? Was it just the whole idea of dog sniffing COVID? We often tell people that it's um, you know, has something to do with what's going on right now, so it's um relevant to what's happening right now. Well, the thing that caught my eye is that uh, the University of the Helsinki researcher, the pro pro professor who's in charge of this actually study, she said that Finland is actually the first country in Europe to, to have done this. So again, this, this could have been any other country, but it just happened to be Finland, only in the United Arab Emirates, in, in Dubai airport. So uh, in that sense, Finland was the kind of pioneer of this, and this made it made it big news in Europe. So it was the uniqueness of the story, really, that brought it through. Yes, that was the one. That is the one. If if this would have been done in in, in the UK or elsewhere before, then the news value would have been less. What kinds of things do you think waste your time? Can you tell these these people who are uh, listening to the podcast today, like, don't waste my time with the following? Well, um, are you, <laughs> I, I don't want to be too harsh on this. Oh, come on, be harsh. It's okay. <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to get the truth out there to everyone, so that so that everyone really understands these kinds of things. I mean, you don't have to be harsh on specific people or anything, but. Tell us, tell us what's what what makes your life difficult with regards to people coming to you with different stories and thinking a certain way or whatever it is. If if the pitch is very complicated, if if I don't if I simply don't understand it, and what what is this, what is the story lying inside? And, and also, if I feel like. Um, the pitch has been sort of a copy pasted and sent to hundreds of other reporters. So that that's sort of a, a kind of a kind of a devalues it to me. I mean, it has to be clear, concise, and it has to start. You know, who, what, why, 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 why should I be interested? Why, 
place to support. Uh, one of the good things, one, one good strategy is that sometimes uh, they, people, rather than sending them by email, they give me a little brief call to pitch it over phone. And then they send later this, this, um, this, this uh, actual pitch. And they first tell what is going on and would I be interested. And this, this is a pretty good strategy. Just to tell in about three minutes what is going on and when it's going to happen and where and, and give the basic facts and then I can go on and, and look at the actual pitch. I know that a lot of people are afraid to call a reporter up and, and tell them tell them things, uh, throw them throw them ideas and stuff. But I also think that a lot of companies really think so much about their own products and what they have to sell and this kind of things. And we've, we're very often telling people that that's not where the story is, that it is about the human side and the uniqueness of it. And that's much harder because I think a lot of companies spend time selling their products so much that they never get the chance to think outside the box of, what about the people who aren't ready to buy your product? What are you going to do? Yeah, I, mean, I would say that uh, never be afraid of to call up reporters. Obviously, uh, we don't really, because of the time, time pressure and so on, we don't have a lot of time to talk. But, you know, three minutes, five minutes is fine. And just make a clear pitch what is going on. Then send an email later. I mean, unfortunately, we get so much of these. I mean, and, and, and I try to look them all through and so on. Yeah. It's simply because we, uh, the area we cover, all these countries, it's, um, it's very large and, and we rarely have, we rarely have time to, to properly look at all the stuff. So we have to really focus, prioritize. Right. Do you think that agencies and, and, and companies understand are, are, do you think they understand more and more how, how journalism works or is it, or do you think that there's still a lot of, of misunderstanding out there about that? They do. For the most part, they do. And they really tend to understand also. Like I said earlier that, uh, we certainly are not out there to promote anybody. We, we are not doing advertising for anyone. And very often I find that sometimes companies would like that. <laughs> of course, so, everybody would like that. <laughs> certainly because the power of AP is huge. I mean, if, if the story, if our clients find it interesting, it goes all around the world. But they also have to understand that we, we are looking for we always cover the two sides of the story. There are always two sides. We have been covering and thinking about COVID so much during 2020. Do you think that there's going to be some other thing that is going to uh, be interesting to people? Or will all of our reporting still revolve around COVID during 2021? Probably for the first, for the first part of 2021, COVID is going to be the main story. But obviously for AP, very interesting to see, see the U, US administration coming, coming and taking power. 
uh, Joe Biden. Um, and this will obviously be, be one of the things to watch. What kind of effects it will have on, on, on other parts of the world, especially in Europe. Any kinds of business news, technology news, things like that that you think will will uh, be interesting to people or will catch your eye? For AP, the climate issue is all the time one of the biggest stories. Climate change and everything related. And and unfortunately, of course, because of the COVID situation, it has now been on the background a little bit. You know, people are so focused on this COVID. But uh, this climate change is absolutely one of the things. And I believe a third theme, which is very interesting for us, is generally this misinformation on anything, everything that comes through, you know, fake news and stuff. Extremely interesting for us. And why, why, why people do believe this false information? Why are they so fixated on that? It, it is very interesting that we have that as an issue. I heard that Finland is the has the most uh, press literacy or most media literacy in the world. So people aren't so fooled by these things. No, definitely. And and just yes, to make sure that I, I want to stress that it's it's very nice. It's lovely to work in the Nordic countries because. These countries cherish, you know, freedom of media, you know. We are, the Nordic countries, I believe Norway and Finland are the top two countries in the world in this media freedom listing. That's extremely important, but it also makes the reporters work very nice here. But that's, uh, the whole term fake news has also been the biggest, biggest changes during my career. But I think AP is one of the places people still trust. I want to stress one thing, that we are one of the very few organizations uh, that we do, if we get something wrong in our story, we do a proper correction in every story. Uh, from a reporter's point of view, that's sometimes very painful, you know, because you never want to, of course, make a mistake. But if we've done a factual mistake we always correct it publicly so the story i cover has my my line and i'm responsible if i get it wrong then we do a correction reporters are just human beings but uh, isn't that a thing that's a finnish thing too i've noticed that with the council for mass media and other things that that's part of the finnish um journalistic standard Yes, very much. I would believe honesty and, and this integrity and, 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 and taking responsibility for, for false, whatever is false reports. But, but again, of course, we know the world is changing very, very much. And this, uh, uh, unfortunately, there are outlets out there who, who, you know, they don't necessarily have the same standards of what we do. Yari, how can people get a hold of you if if they if they want to? What's the best way to um, catch you on social media or pitch a story? Uh, LinkedIn is the best place. Also, if you Google me, you can find my contact information at the which the Finnish Foreign Ministries is has put out there on foreign journalists. So 
feel free, yeah, feel free to call pitches and so on. It's always good to hear from people. That is great. Well, Yari, I really want to thank you for your time today and for sharing with us just exactly how um, how your job goes and um, what kinds of great stories that you got to cover and what's interesting to you. And learning a little bit about the AP um, has been, I think, really informative for our listeners today. So I really want to thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. The Get Known Podcast is produced by San Francisco Agency in beautiful but dark in the wintertime Helsinki, Finland. To hear more interviews with journalists and PR professionals, please subscribe to the Get Known Podcast feed. You can share your comments or questions directly to me by connecting with me on LinkedIn. That's right, Stephen Lee, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-E. I know there's a lot of them out there, but you'll find me. Or by sending an email to getknown at sanfrancisco.fi. Looking forward to hearing from you. See you next time.